Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily, and joining us on the show is Joe from DeMarco Training out of New Jersey. What's going on, Joe? How are you doing today? I'm great, Emily. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're excited to have you on the show today. But before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you guys have going on and how you run the Marco training, tell us a little bit about how you describe your business to people and what made you want to start your gym in the first place. Uh, my current studio is about 6,000 square feet. It's big enough to do training for personal training, small group classes and large group classes, which is what I designed it out to be. I've been a lifelong coach and trainer. And so after all the, all that time, I kind of put together a facility that was meant for training as opposed to for memberships where equipment was all over the place. Uh, we trained general population cases and athletes and professional athletes and rehab, uh, rehab clients as well. And, um, you know, I try and I have different prices for different age groups and different levels of training so that everybody can afford what they, their opportunity to get some personal training in their life. And um, I'm located in Hamilton, New Jersey at uh, suite number nine on 100 Young's Road. So anybody in New Jersey, New Jersey wants to take a swing by and see it, we'd love to see it. Um, I got into the gym business about 27 years ago, kind of by accident. I was uh, involved as a chiropractic assistant. And um, one of the guys who was a chiropractor there was uh, Dr. Frank Welling. He was also a strength conditioning coach in upstate New York now. And we decided that I was gonna do the Body for Life show uh, back in 1995. And I ended up coming in number four in the country and I did really well. And so he told me I should probably be a strength and conditioning coach or a personal trainer. And at the time, I didn't think anything twice about it, but I had worked out my whole life and I did really well with this. And I found that I just had a knack for it. I really enjoyed and loved seeing people improve and get better. And then as soon as I started involving the kids and athletic performance into what I was doing, I really found my wheelhouse as far as the adaptation of training to sports specific movements. Nice, very nice. So did you initially start off just being a sport-specific training facility and then also start to help the gym pop or was everything just kind of all in one since from the beginning? I mean, I got my, I cut my teeth doing training at a Jewish community center in Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey for a bunch of years, about two years, I would think. And they wouldn't let me do any athletic performance training with athletes. So all of my clients were adults and general population cases. And I, I kind of felt that my wheelhouse was making people accountable to what we were both trying to do together. You're trying to give me money. Here's your plan. Here's the training. Anybody can yell and scream and push somebody to do something harder or faster or more. And that's a great thing to be motivated by. But if you can't integrate your um, thought process with theirs and come up with a plan that makes sense, it doesn't matter how much you work out because you only see them for so long and the rest of the week they're on their own. So if you can't get them to buy into doing extra cardio, eating better, not picking up bad habits and getting themselves in the right direction, then you're not going to be very successful. And I found I just had a knack of being able to do that with people. Okay. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about, cause you guys have been around for a very, very long time. So yes. let's talk a little bit about how you have managed to build your clientele as I'm sure you've seen like social media and marketing and this, just the industry as a whole evolve over uh -huh. the past 20 years or so. So, I mean, What's been working well in terms of getting new clientele through the door for you guys? Word of mouth. 
no matter what anybody posts on the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, no matter what it is, successful clients and people who are doing things um, in a manner that they weren't before, as far as the kids go, they run faster, they play better. Everybody wants to know where and why. And word of mouth is probably the best thing that's kept me going forever in a day so far. You know, I, I've worked with a couple of social media marketing companies. Um, I actually work with a social media marketing company for athletes uh, called Go MVB. And they're kind of that next phase of recruiting, sorry, the next phase of videography and promotion for colleges and coaches to be able to look at video and see what kids are doing. So I understand how that would help them in their case. Um, you know, I'm a brick, brick and mortar facility. I'm in a small town, mom and pop type town. And what really skyrocketed was the first couple of people I touched in this town went pro or won state championships or, you know, the first football team I touched won back to back to back state championships. So when everybody wanted to know where they were training, my name came up. And so by treating my clients well and by trying to keep the prices at something that are, is affordable for the area, because let's face it, no one's wealthy enough. They don't have to worry about the money, especially when it comes to their kids. I've been able to build a very good following organically. OK, um, you know, I do have an Instagram. I do have a Twitter account. I do have a Facebook account. And most of those things are based for, you know, me to post things about the kids and their accomplishments and what they're doing in success. So, I, you know, I'm 53. So for me, I'm a little bit beyond the scope of the social media being the mainstay of what I'm doing. You know, no one wants to pay me money to take my shirt off and stand in front of them and flex and all that stuff, because that's not what I do. And so, you know, from, from my perspective, I try and keep it about the kids and about the results. Okay. Okay. So with that being said, word of mouth um, has worked great for you guys over the past uh, 20 years or so. Um, so your own social media, but not necessarily for marketing or to try to generate like attention. No, I, yeah, I, I'm just on there to try and create some following for the kids from their accomplishments. When a kid gets a scholarship, I post their information. When a kid plays well in a game, if he has a great game, I'll put it up on my site to let everybody know. It's kind of like my own little hype thing for these kids who really put in a lot of hard work. And, you know, the adults, for the most part, don't want to be a part of that to begin with anyway, because they're my age or a little bit younger or older. So, you know, for them, I, I like to steer them towards Google, which I think Google has actually been a very big help as well. In addition to that word of mouth, um, the reviews that are left for me, my rating, the way that they create an area for you um, that you would be the top person that people go to based upon the reviews and the work that you've done. And, you know, I, I my, my motto is integrity and training because I don't like to be BS or BS anybody else about what they're doing. And I guess that's really where I think the social media aspect for me is just the moon. You know, I hired a social media company a couple of years ago and they just started posting stuff on my Instagram page that most people were calling me up on the phone and going, are you posting this stuff? I'm like, no. I'm like, they're the most of the media companies doing it, but I'm not going to have anything that anybody's going to post on a Instagram page or on a Twitter page. It's going to make 35 or 40 people come running in the door the next week. It just doesn't work that way. And I know that some people would argue that it does. And I would think that most of those people are probably, you know, interested more in online training services or they have a gym that like they want memberships to where people are just looking at it, liking it and going there. 
in my case, you have to be evaluated first before you step in the gym. So before anybody comes in, you have to be evaluated. Once we go through the evaluation, we find out what the corrective measures are to make sure you can do baseline movements properly before you do that. And then the training program begins. And so most people who want to join a gym, they want that knee-jerk reaction. I come in, I love the gym, I love the equipment, I love the people, I'm joining. And so for that investment, I think it's a lot quicker of a, of a fix for social media. Gotcha. Okay. So with um, kind of what you just mentioned, like your process of onboarding some on onboarding your clients, do you do that for adults and kids as well? Everybody. Okay. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about client retention. Cause I know you guys have been open for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. What do you know what your client retention is on a month to month basis or like how long does the average member stay with you? Well, usually until they're done. So, you know, I do have, I do have sectional um, res- residual, uh, sorry, return people. So I'll, I'll have a three month program, a six month program, as far as the classes go. So people will stay for that long. And then I want the kids to get out of there and go play because they're kids. So, you know, unless you're, you know, 18 or 17 and older, you know, I want you playing different sports. I want you taking the athleticism we're creating and going out and using it. And then, you know, the clients will shift based upon the time of year and what season is being trained for. I mean, I have to be honest with you. I think my client retention is somewhere like 97%. Like I don't, people who leave always come back the next year when it's time for them to train again. You know, I've kept my Mercer Chiefs, you know, um, process open now for four or five years and they want to continue to do it. So I think if it's successful and it works and the kids enjoy it and and the parents can see results, then you're going to get it. And then same thing with adults. I mean, if the adults, if I have an adult that wants to lose 40 or 50 or 60 pounds and they're doing privates, once they lose the weight, I try and encourage them to come to the group classes for adults and not spend so much money so they can continue to maintain what they're doing. So I, you know, I guess my retention rate's really high until they graduate and then they move on to college and play, in which case I don't get to see them very much. The college kids are training when they're at school. They come home. They may train for a month or so here or there, and then they go back to school. That's usually the way it works. Yeah. So with the um, the athletes, every athlete's going to have like a season. Um, mm-hmm. We touched a little bit, uh, talked a little bit about this before we actually went to the injury abortion. But how do you manage like kind of the the down, the up and down trend um, of the seasonal athletes coming in, when, like business wise? You have to stay ahead. So like in January, February, and March, I'm marketing for the summer. In, in May, June, July, and August, I'm marketing for the winter. So, you know, I, I try and keep everybody apprised of what we're going to be doing training-wise and the cost and where we're going to be and how it's going to be set up and what the days and times are going to be. And I think if you stay ahead of the season, then you should be okay. But, you know, that's, that also goes, I, I, I'm lucky in the sense I've been in business for so long that I don't have to really run out and get new clients because if you do a good job, the old clients bring new ones with them. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about the team that you've built. I know that you do have some other coaches and uh, staff on to support you, right? Yeah, well, Garrett Simone is now in Colorado. I think he's got hired by a place out there. I'm waiting if you hear back if he got the job or not. But he was excellent. Most of my trainers have all been clients of mine when they were younger. So Anthony Viquez, Nick Gigenaro, Jeff Wiley, um, Big Rich isn't with us anymore, and Garrett Simonian, they were all clients of mine when they were younger. 
and they went to college, got their degrees and wanted to come work with me for a little while and got their certification. So they're coming in, they're learning a craft. If they like it and they love it and they can go and take it with them wherever they want to go. You know, it's, and what's interesting about it is, is the fact that I'm hiring people who have already been through my system and know what I expect. It makes it that much better. Yeah. I can see that. Let me see that. I, I, so. I've hired outside trainers and I'm not trying to say anything about who goes to college or who gets a degree in exercise science, but listen, fitness has been fitness for 200 years, maybe longer. You know, the, the same exercise and different variations are the same things that are happening now. There's just different machinery to do things on different rep schemes, different integrations. And that's for the trainers to stay up on what they're doing and for me to stay up on what I'm doing. So, you know, when it comes down to things like programming and training, it's really what I get most of the kids who graduate from college who did not train with me, but trained someplace else. They think that this is like, you know, they're going to come into my gym and make a hundred bucks an hour training people. And I'm like, you're not in, you know, LA, you're not in New York city. Like you're in Hamilton, New Jersey. Like you can only expect so much and that's not what it, you can get paid and a lot, not a lot of them, but most of them don't work out who have that expectation. If you became a strength coach, you became a trainer to get rich. You should probably go have your head checked because it's a lot of work and it's a lot of attention to detail and you have to be able to massage other people's egos and let them get by their rough patches with you so that they will stay interested in what you're trying to accomplish with them. And I think if you can give them small hurdles first to jump over to make it to the larger hurdles, then they build confidence as they go. And so, you know, it, it may boil down to the same thing that the kids who I've trained, they've done that process. They went from smaller hurdles to bigger hurdles to college sports to graduating. And now they're structured people who are adults and they're looking for an environment for that. And they want to kind of create their own. So like I encourage them to come into the gym and not only it's not just my place, it's your place now too. So the people who rent space for me, Vince Wood and Melissa, like they rent space. They don't, it's not my gym. When they're there, it's our gym. So try and be a part of something and, you know, don't close off any channels of learning. Yeah. I love that. They always got to be perpetual learners, lifelong learners, as I like to say. I, I should be able to learn things from the kids who are graduating from college. I should be. They're going to college for this. When I went to college, if you did exercise science, it was for, to be a gym teacher. You know, now it's a four-year degree in exercise science. But, you know, very rarely of them do, do, very rarely do I get the kids who graduate from college who have the right idea about the job. I asked this one kid who graduated with a four-year degree in exercise science. I said, let me ask you a question. Did they ever go over how you make money in this business? And they're like, no. I go, well, that's the biggest problem. Anybody can learn how to train somebody and anybody can love working out and love working out with your clients. If you don't understand the business acumen that comes along with it, you're going to be out of business real fast. You know, don't go out and spend every dime you make. Don't assume the fact that if you have a great month, you're going to have that month again the next month. Know when you're going to have slow seasons and stash your money away for it. And don't go out and spend all your money for yourself, you know, your profits. You got to hold them, you know. Always be worried. You get equipment costs money. Upgrading that equipment costs money. Maintaining that equipment costs money. You know, so they don't go through any of that in college. And I can't understand why you would pay, you know, upwards of two hundred thousand dollars for a degree and not understand how to make any money doing it. Yeah, no, I've been there, um, and it's definitely true. They don't teach about like the business side of things, or like 
you know, uh, what we talked about earlier, you know, what it actually takes to be a successful entrepreneur in this industry specifically, because it's not, you know, people, you don't know until you don't know. Well, I, I had a good start. Uh, before I was, in the, I was in the restaurant business. Okay. I was in the restaurant business in Manhattan. I worked for a guy who had a bunch of restaurants. So I knew how to hustle and move. And I also learned from being in New York and being in the restaurant business, like your numbers are your numbers and you got to keep them square and you got to, you know, retain your bottom line. And you have to be able to understand the fact that some of your employees are more important than others. And I don't mean that saying that nobody's more important, but if you have a guy who's putting out for you and working and putting in a bunch of hours and he's doing a job for you and another guy's not doing anything for you, you best believe you better get rid of the lowest common denominator in the room. Otherwise everyone's going to drop to that level. And so yeah. when you, when you go to larger scale gyms, like, you know, the trainers look like they work out. I just don't know if they're any good at their job or not. Very true, very true. So with that being said, let, let's talk a little bit about the goals that you have for DeMarco training. Like what does the future look like for you guys? And you know, how do you want to see things to continue to grow and develop? I'd love to continue doing what I'm doing with just more athletes and more people who are like-minded as far as the, the, the way that we go about fitness and, and kids and adults. And, you know, I, I've created, I guess, a little community amongst them. They all get along with each other. They all know each other. They see each other out and about. They're friendly with each other. I don't really have any egos in my place. I don't really allow that because, you know, if some guy comes in the door and he runs a 4-4, well, I guarantee you a guy's going to walk in the door some other time. He's going to run a 4-3. And so, you know, the whole point is you don't, you don't deserve any more accolades for putting your work in than somebody else is who's less talented than you are and that's really the way that i want to continue to see sports grow this has become covid made everybody very selfish a lot of eyes a lot of me's a lot of this and that kind of stuff because everyone kind of feels like they they're deserved of something based upon what they went through with covid so we all went through it it all shut our businesses down it all created a problem and a mess for us so i try and make sure that um, the kids who come and the adults that come realize the fact that there's a way that I would like to see things work. It may not be your way. It may not be another trainer's way, but since you're coming to me, it kind of has to be my way. And if you can kind of stay within the boundaries of what we're doing together, then it'll continue to grow. I'd like to see it be open for another 25 years. And I'd love one of the guys who work for me now to be able to take it over. I just don't know if any of the younger generation really has that kind of drive and motivation right now, you know? Ouch. Ouch. I respect your transparency though. And I appreciate your honesty. Listen, so, okay. Like you kind I, of. Hire young people all the time and, and some of them are great, but it, when, I think when you start to give them the ability to branch forward, it's not that they don't have the ability. I think they're just scared. And they're very uncertain. They don't want to take the risk. And I think that that's really what I'm trying to get at is that not, the, not the, the broad stroke everybody in an age group. I just feel like, you know, as the generations progress, you know, I'm considered ancient at my age now with, in, in, with regards to this business. But 25 years ago, when my grandfather was, you know, in his, in his 50s or 60s, I mean, he was actually in his 70s back then, those were the people we looked towards and that's how we worked. So, you know, my grandfather was in World War One, World War II. There was no quitting him. He drove an ice cream truck. So I wasn't going to turn around and be like, listen, there's no work here. 
when I first opened my first gym, my first big box gym, I put in a hundred hours a week. I got rid of my apartment and I slept in my office because I couldn't afford it. And because I wanted to make it work. If you told, if you told somebody who's 20 or 25 years old, that that's what they would have to do to be successful 25 years later, they'd walk out the door. Okay. Very, very people have that drive. So my next question for you is, earlier you mentioned that you're in your 50s, right? So, yeah. I mean, what's the, what are you, outside of the gym, um, mm -hmm. what are your goals? Like, would you like to see your role in the gym change at all? Like you mentioned, like maybe one day, like one of the trainers to kind of take things over and, you know, run the gym for, but like ultimately what's that goal? Like, do you want some of more of your time back? Do you travel more? What's that look like for you? Uh, honestly, I just want my business to pro progress the way most businesses progress, which is, you know, you get to a point, your staff is competent and they're confident and they're able to do the same things that you are to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. And just to help them along and get to that point where they become a lot more independent. If I could get out of the business at some point, I think that's everybody's goal, you know, to be involved in it, but then transcend into a different form of what I'm doing. I might want to go work for the Mercer Chiefs, say, and get more involved in the hockey specific training aspect of what they're doing. I may want to turn around and get involved in the local community um, high schools and help out the kids more directly. Or I could just stay open and continue to do what I'm doing until I can't do it anymore. In which case, I'll probably have a pretty healthy lifestyle for the next 25 to 30 years. So it's not yeah. too bad. You know, I, I have hobbies. I'm, I'm newly married again for the second time. I have three stepchildren and I like to spend time with my wife and my family doing those things. But, you know, I don't, I don't foresee there being a, a time frame where I won't or shouldn't work. I think when you stop working, you stop being motivated. And so I would always want to do something and stay involved in the facility and, and what's happening there and just be able to survive and make a living and be happy and stay up for another 25 years, you know? Yeah, I love it, man. Very well said. So I got one more question for you before we wrap things up on this episode. Um, think back to 23 years ago, mm -hmm. before you started your facility, um, and just kind of, you know, thinking about all of the things that you've learned over the course of your career as a business owner, give right. yourself one piece of advice that you didn't know that you needed to hear back then. One word, two words, actually, sorry to say that. No partners. Okay. Partners are for dancing. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. If you have a facility and you need to get funding to open your facility, make sure the person that you're getting involved in is only a money person and is not going to hamstring your business with the money or the way that they pay the bills or not pay the bills. The problem I think with some people in the gym business is I think they're, they're more about the gym than they are the business. They want to work out. They want to be involved. They want to maybe train people or bodybuild or all different. And um, I think the business acumen part of it is so much more important as far as longevity. And I've made a lot of mistakes as far as partners go. You know, I mean, I've, I've had partners. They weren't all bad, but the only partners I've ever had didn't really have the best interest of my members or the gym or my clients or anybody else involved. They just want to know when they can start pulling their checks out. 
Gotcha. So they weren't necessarily uh, focused on the people over, you know, the amount of money they can make. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, you know, I invest, you know, money in your facility and he has a percentage of your business and, you know, he may or may not control the checkbook because that's usually how they come into um, your life as people who see what you're doing. If I, if I had a dollar for every dad or rich mom and dad that came up to me over the years and said to me, you know what? I love what you do for my kid. I want you to open a bigger place or I want you to do this or I want you to invest in that. And that's the worst thing you can do because they, they don't understand your business. They don't understand your model. They don't understand what you want and what got you to that point. And we're all tempted by the fact that we can, like you said before, one day make enough money where we can travel, right? Maybe have downtime, spend more time with our family. And, and we all want that. But just be smart about who you get involved with and where, they, where their money comes from. Because if you follow the money, sometimes it goes someplace that you don't want to know about. All righty. I like that. Thank you, Joe. Well, okay. before we wrap things up, um, tell our listeners where they can find you. Sure. Uh, my Instagram is DTRAIN36, which is capital D, lowercase e, T-R-A-E, 36. And um, I'm located at 100 Young's Road, suite number nine in Hamilton, New Jersey. Uh, zip code's 08619. And I also have a Twitter, which is Joe DeMarco3. And, um, you know, for a guy who doesn't like the internet too much, I have all the things you need to to be successful. <laughs> And my Facebook page is DeMarco Training Systems. So you can go to any of those places and take a look at what we do with the kids and the athletes and the adults. And, um, you know, I hope you guys will enjoy yourselves while you're there. And you're doing a really great thing for the community because, you know, nobody really wants to talk about the business side of a lot of things. And I try and explain to people all the time about the gym business. It's not the same. The restaurant business and the gym business are two things that widgets don't fall into play with. You can't just decide hey, these two businesses are the same as everybody else's because there's a lot of moving parts involved in those two things. And you have to understand that genre of business before you decide to put hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars into a facility. Yeah. And that's been a great thing. Thank you, Joe. We You're really right. appreciate your time and contribution I, to the show. Pleasure to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. Um, of course, we're looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to continue to accomplish down the road. Also, to everybody who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if y'all want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. Until next time, and as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'm your host today, Adam Chop, and today with me is my man Emmett with Level 6 Training out of Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina. How we doing, man? Hey, we're doing great, Adam. Thanks for having me on, man. Excited to be here. 
Absolutely. And I hope I didn't butcher that, uh, that city. I just, uh, Hey, it's know. a tough one, man. Fuqua Verena, you nailed it first try. So we're yeah, all with it. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks for taking the time. Um, you know, hopefully the weather out there is uh, not too bad. It's pretty nice here. So I got to imagine it's decent up there. Yeah, we're doing all right. I think we're high sixties, maybe low seventies today. So that's kind of ideal, almost spring weather for this, for our area of the, of the woods. Absolutely. <laughs> I, say, I think I read it's going to be like 85 here today. So I'm like, all right. Aside from all the pollen and all the yeah. the yellow the yellow stuff covering my car, it's it's cool. It's fine. That's right. Yeah, we got. Uh, I call it when the Hulk sneezes all over my. I got a, an awesome black Jeep Jeep Wrangler, and uh, the Hulk <laughs> will sneeze on it once a year, and I got to wash it like five times in a week. So, uh huh. Yeah, I just take a little pit stop to the uh, car wash and just spray it off. Cool, there man. I'm excited to get rolling into this. I know we had a, a nice lengthy uh, pre-pod conversation, so let's kind of share it with sure. the listeners. I'm going to go ahead and let you just talk a little bit about yourself, your sure. experiences, you know, passions, ultimately what led up to you opening level six training. Sure. Well, I think the biggest thing for me is um, growing up, I was a, I was a life lifelong athlete um, and just absolutely loved growing up playing sports. Uh, my sport, a lot like yourself, was football. Um, from age five all the way up through college, uh, started with flag and then, uh, you know, started to get into the contact leagues and I was a little bit older. And I'm sure, as you know, as a football player, you actually spend a lot more time doing off-season conditioning, weightlifting, preparation than you actually do practicing and playing your sport. So honestly, that's the first time I connected with resistance training and working out and being disciplined and trying to work on my fitness so that I could be the best football player that I could possibly be. And both my parents are five, eight. My dad is, um, five, eight. He's an engineer, never really played sports. So I never knew if I was going to have the size to play at the next level. Um, so there was always these questions growing up, like, Hey, am I going to have the frame? And fortunately through God's grace, I ended up having the frame growing just enough to, to kind of get some interest from some smaller, uh, division one schools. And, um, honestly, just through that process though, just learning to love the work, learning to love the weight room. And then that's kind of bred the passion for the work to now I want to share that experience that I got to go through that was so special in my life with other people and hopefully accomplish a little bit of that through uh, my gym with level six training. Awesome, man. So let's kind of go into, you know, what, what was the idea behind level six? Like how, how did sure. that name just kind of like pop into your brain? Yeah. So it's actually a two layered name. It's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, my middle name is six, just like the number. Um, and so that's half of where I derived the name for level six training. Uh, my grandfather uh, was in the Marine Corps. He played football from the Marine Corps back when they had a football team. Um, as we know, West Point and Navy, they have football teams now. Um, and he did a stint in the CFL. Um, but always grew up having him be a role model for me and someone that I admired greatly, just the way he carried himself. He was a man of, is a man of great character and the friendships and the stories he'd tell. So he's been a huge positive influence in my life, both as a coach, as my grandfather, and just as a person. And so I've always looked up to him. So I wanted to do something that honored his side of the family. And so that's my middle name. It's his last name. Um, so I had the opportunity to do it. And then the other half of level six training comes from in traditional cardiovascular training, there are five major heart rate zones. Um, so I was working with one of my clients at the first gym I started training at when I first became a trainer and he was doubled over and I, I turned to him and I said, Hey, what's your heart rate at? And he was looking at his, his Garmin tracker or whatever he had on. 
and uh, it had gone off the charts. It had been above his, his zone five uh, cardio. And he said, it's, it's in zone six, it's level six. And he said, if you ever get a gym one day, you have to name it level six. And so I like to think that it's part of me fulfilling that, that promise to him of, of getting that name um, in combination with like a family name. So it's kind of two things at once. <laughs> No, that is, that's absolutely amazing. I love, you know, kind of, it's kind of like keeping the family in the business in a way, you know, it's Dude, huge taking the motivation, taking the inspiration and, you know, now executing into what's, you know, fruit came into fruition. Sure. Excellent, man. So kind of run me through real quick, like how big is your facility? How many sure. members roughly do you have? Sure. Yeah. So level six training, uh, again, we're located in Fuquay Arena. Right now, we're sitting at like 179 to 183-ish members, um, and that's in combination with obviously our full-time paying students and some new trial members that we just acquired. They're checking the facility out. They're in for you know that trial period and kind of getting used to our style and what we do. Um, so we're just shy of 200, and our facility is right around 3,000 square feet. And I love the layout because we have a dedicated group fitness area. We have a dedicated uh, small group barbell training area. And then that small group training barbell area in our kind of off class hours doubles as a great one-on-one -on -one training area. And then we actually do a lot of youth performance training. That's kind of one of our hallmarks at level six is we, wor we work with the young athletes, any sport, um, mostly baseball, football, lots of volleyball, lacrosse, um, and help those kids hopefully maximize their athletic potential in their middle school, high school years, and they get ready to hopefully play and get scholarships at the next level. Um, and it's just an exciting time to be a part of, of their training piece because, you know, they're getting looks from schools they're going doing all these showcases and they're playing on club teams. And so there's actually quite a few of these young kids that are, that are pretty busy, but um, it's just great to be a coach and a part of that, a part of that piece where hopefully you can help them realize, you know, some of what their dream might be. Um, and, and playing at the next level and, and perhaps being, you know, blessed to receive a scholarship or, um, you know, even if, even if it's not a scholarship, just, just being able to continue their athletic career in a way that they want. Yeah. As a, you know, like yourself as a former, you know, uh, collegiate athlete and, you know, just growing up playing sports pretty much since we could crawl or walk, sure. you know, um, that, that moment where you hear, Oh, scouts are coming or like, Hey, like, there's a chance like it just the the inspiration that the, the the level of fire just goes to that next next step it is absolutely insane I mean obviously we can only describe so much but when you get that glimpse of hope it's like everything in your world just changes you go from zero to 100 in a snap of a finger um absolutely and you know I I know that when I was in high school and my coach was like look you're gonna get a scholarship and I was like like my words like my jaw dropped all the way down to the floor I was like hold on let me pick this up real quick um so yeah that, that's amazing you know providing that for the athletes and you know whether it's football whether you said it's hockey or basketball or, or whatever that might be um, sure. that's huge so that's well yeah it's it's funny you said that I had the exact same reaction because you know I think we're the same way where I was growing up and I never really believed I had what it took to play at the next level until you know, parents of my teammates started speaking belief into me. My coaches would speak belief into me. My family would speak belief into me. And, you know, over the years, it started where it seemed something that was just a pipe dream and for other people. And then you, like what you said, you get that, that hope and kind of everything shifts in your mind. And so 
back to what I was framing it up. Like it's just being able to be a small piece of hopefully delivering that in some way to someone else um, is just so special. And, and you see these, the work these kids do in our studio and uh, it's amazing. I mean, they're putting out hard workouts. They're, they're giving it a hundred percent. And so we work with kids from even as young as nine up through, you know, their high school career and even into their collegiate career when they're on breaks and they can come home and all that. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. It's a really good feeling. And especially cause then they go back and tell their families and you know, it's, it, there, there's a lot of disbelief or, you know, lack of confidence when it comes to that next level, because you think, I mean, there's, I, I had a D2 coach tell me, well, if you want to be a linebacker, you got to be 225 pounds. And I was like, you're looking at a guy who's 195 pounds right now like that's 30 pounds like so um right but yeah i mean yeah so it was it's good man um well speaking of goals and things like that you know you've been in this organization and in your business now a little over two years sure um you know what you know and i see the notes here but what what do you really want to accomplish let's say the rest of this year and then the next one to two years Sure. And, you know, this is honestly, Adam, an answer that's changed for me. And I'm sure a lot of gym owners listening to this out there can, can relate to, you know, having these amazing goalposts and you kind of have what's ideal for you and what you want. And then you have the universe's plan or God's plan or, or how things actually shake out. So for me right now, as I mentioned, you know, we're, we're, hitting, we're sitting in the high one seventies, low one eighties membership wise. I think that's great. Um, but I want so much more for this space. I want to see it maximized. I want to see us, you know, at capacity to where we're really starting to impact, you know, a larger number of families in our community. So I'd love to take us from where we're at now to around 250 to 300 clients by the end of the year. That's really um, kind of what I'm putting in my crosshairs is our short-term goals. And, um, you know, over the next several, I would love to syndicate this. So it's, it's always been my goal since I started level six training to be an, a regional, uh, provider for fitness and other training services, like right here in the Raleigh area, in our kind of triangles, what they refer to it area. Um, so I'd love to have, you know, three to five of these and just be managing an effective team and, and um, get a walk into those studios every day and just see smiling faces and, and that people are happy being, you know, where they're at and, and happy giving, giving us the faith to take them to that next level of fitness or, um, you know, even that next level performance training for some of our youth athletes as well. So that's kind of what I'm thinking over the next several years, probably not necessarily one to two, but maybe three to five. We'll yeah. see. So th- that's, that's what I'm kind of gunning for. Honestly, And it, it's, you know, I've, I don't know if you ever heard of a vision board, but it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you throw it out there and you just keep working towards that goal every day. And, you know, God might grace you with, you know, something sooner rather than later, or, Hey, he's like, Nope, we're right on par for that three to five year mark. You know, whatever the case is, but as long as you're just continuing to hustle and grind, then, um, you know, things will come to fruition as they, as they foresee. Yes. Um, yes. Well, let's kind of dive in a little more business side of things, you know, sure. Through how, how, how are you getting leads right now? How are leads coming in through the door? Yeah. So lead generation, um, you know, we actually have a, a number of different avenues to get lead generation. Um, you know, first and foremost, I'm huge on, you know, the fabric of the people that we already have and and kind of tapping into the power of word of mouth and the people that are already using your service. Um, so that's where it starts for us. Our current clients, you know, 
keeping them posted on whatever whatever introductory offers that we that we have going on. Here's some free stuff. Here's a free class. Maybe we're doing a free week. Um, we just wrapped up a promotion this past month where we did four weeks for free, which I know sounds crazy, but you know we got these people with friends out there. We want to give them something where they can try us um, and for an extended time to where they can actually derive a lot of the benefits of the service and the program that we're offering. And it's just enough time for them to see that and then know that to get the real lasting results and change, they have to continue. Um, so that was kind of the, the impetus behind the four free weeks. But so we definitely have word of mouth. Um, we're running paid advertising on our social media platforms, uh, Facebook and Instagram primarily for those. Um, and then we have a website uh, through Squarespace. I built out uh, the framework of our website to begin with. And then I brought on uh, our creative director now, uh, Trevor, who helps me kind of tee everything else up and, and make changes where it's more user-friendly experience than, than what I could ever put together because I'm technical, technologically challenged at times. Um, but so those are kind of the three primary areas. You got word of mouth, you got paid advertising through our socials, and then we have a, a website um, that through traffic gets lead generations pushed to us. Um, so that's kind of how we started to build our funnel um, in the early phases. Absolutely, man. Um, so we, with that, you know, when you say um, paid advertising, through, are you guys, you guys like hired an agency that runs all the ads or is it more like you and somebody are kind of working through the Facebook and Instagram yourself? Yeah. Uh, so we don't have like a, necessarily an outside agency. Uh, my creative director, as I mentioned, Trevor actually has a decent amount of experience doing media ads. Like he actually runs a small uh, media company that he started. Uh, that takes on a, a very small list of clientele. Um, so he has a pretty good proficiency with that. And also, you know, filming the creative, getting the clips and producing these, these elements that belong in that creative segment. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's got some, some skills in that area. Excellent, man. That's awesome. Um, and then, so with the current modes of generation, you know, yeah. what would you say is the current you know, foot traffic through the door, like maybe on like a weekly basis, are you seeing, you know, like five to 10 leads, 20 leads a week? Are you seeing sure. leads a month? Kind of walk me through that. Yeah. And it, it will vary a lot month to month. And I'm sure a lot of gym owners can relate out there. It depends on the time of year. It depends on the promotion you have going on. Uh, right now we wrapped up probably arguably one of our better promotions and we've been seeing consistently five to 10 ish new leads. Um, every, I would say five every week, and then, you know, this past month, probably getting close to 15, 20 territory over the month of February. So yeah, I'm pretty pleased with that. I mean, that's, that's great foot traffic for a studio our size. Um, and it, it keeps us, and I don't even know if this is a thing, but in my mind, growing at the right speed is also a consideration. Um, because as you and I have talked before, I've been in organizations where the growth metric is you add a hundred people at once or 200 and all of a sudden that operator, that manager, that team is now drinking from a fire hose to meet everybody, make an authentic connection. And then it's, uh, you're almost, you've almost captured too many people. And so then you lose, you know, 80, 70 that you could have had, had you parsed it out over a three to six month period versus taking them all in at once and, and kind of drinking from the fire hydrant. So I'm sure some gym owners can relate to that in some ways where there actually is a sweet spot where it's not a trickle, but it's not an ocean or a river all at once where you're getting this influx or this flood of people. Um, and then you can't connect with them because I think a lot of us are in this space because we value people 
and we value the authentic relationships that we get to have. Um, and also being able to like affect change in those people's lives. And you can't do that effectively without being able to like meet them, know who they are, know what, what's going on in their life, like what, what things are important to them. And, and so um, that, that to me is an ideal kind of pace. If we could just keep that up, that's an ideal pace or close to it. <laughs> yeah, close to it. Yeah, obviously, like I said, I always tell people or, you know, we always have this conversation between gym owners and I, it's like, nobody ever gets into business just for the simple fact because they just want to like bring smiles on people's faces. Like, yes, that's a part of it. And if you focus on that, everything else behind it will trickle. So it's like, sure. You know, where, where do you find that, that happy medium where it's like, yes, like I'm in it for the people, but I still have to make a living. Cause this is what I do full time, you know? Absolutely. Unless, you know, certain gym owners do other full-time jobs and stuff like that, but right. um, more power to them, more power to them. If they can, pull that off because that's impressive <laughs> that's a lot yeah Especially, i mean yeah you got it yeah you know you have a, a little girl and it's like you know mm -hmm. there, there's other things too that take place of you know your time so absolutely um cool man love that for you yes um so walk me through real quick before we move on you know this time last year like february yeah. last year member wise you know word of mouth wise where are we guys sitting Dude, that's a great question. I'd have to pull up and look at the historical data. And I did it for January, but believe it or not, bro, I can speak effectively to January 2022 to January 2023. We actually grew our revenue by 30%. Um, and that's something I'm, I'm super stoked about. That's a, a great metric for us. I brought it up at our quarterly staff meeting um, because it shows, it indicates to me that we're doing the things right as a team that's affecting people to warrant this type of growth and warrant this type of change. Because no matter how effective your marketing tools are, no matter how effective your funnel and lead generation and capture is, if you're not serving people the right way and your, your service isn't providing value, those, those people are going to move on to the place that's going to help effectively address their needs and get what they paid for. So it's, it's definitely, I'm not making any bones about it. It's a huge win from a business standpoint. And we got, trust me, we got a long way to go. Yeah. But to me, it's, it's an important win because it shows me, Hey, we're fulfilling the promise of what we're here to do with level six. And it's, it's people are seeing it. They're, you know, we're referring and recommending friends. And so that growth, that 30% that I mentioned from January to January, um, you know, that's, that's powerful because it indicates a lot of things. And, um, you know, we just rolled out our first, first genuine paid advertising campaign in January. So this is the first calendar year where we've undertaken doing, you know, legitimate paid ads, paid campaigns with a, an effective marketing strategy. Um, it's not something that I was financially prepared to do much before this year, mm -hmm. um, just to keep it real with all the other gym owners out there. I know you guys can, can relate to like, wow, now I got to have budget for payroll, budget for ads, budget for buying equipment. Like it, it's a lot to, to kind of manage and structure effectively, but um, this year we're in a position to do that. And, uh, we finally have the systems in place within level six, where I feel comfortable bringing a good influx of people month after month. Our team is solid. They know what they're doing. Um, to an extent, obviously we all have things we'd love to help with our team. And then of course ourselves as owners as well. Um, but I feel confident bringing people in now we've got our system, we got our product, we got our service down. Now the gym is ready. We got the equipment in place. Um, and, and so 
now we're confident bringing in a, a good influx of people and, and seeing what we can really do. Because when we started, we really didn't know what our space would be able to handle in terms of capacity. We didn't know what we could do revenue wise. Like there were all these question marks and yeah. to be hundred percent real, we're still figuring that out. We don't know. It's almost like in kudos, you know, growth, growth is huge. And obviously now it's time to scale the growth and right. Like you, you have the right team in place. You have the metrics and the systems to where you amped up, you know, let's just say those leads. Now, maybe you go from five to 10 to now you're going 10 to 20, right? Now you're right, doubling right. that base. Right. You're, you're helping more people. You're reaching more people, students, athletes, you know, uh, elderly, middle-aged, whatever the case is. Now it's like, now we tackle this journey. And then we say, okay, we can fix this, this, and this, or we can change this, 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 and boom, here we grow. Right. Um, so yeah, love that for you, man. That's, that's huge. Um, and then, um, I lost my train of thought here, but let's, let's move into, you know, retention. Obviously you sure. off a couple years, you know, month over month you know, attrition, typically you want to be what, less than 6%, less than 5%, something like that. Sure. Where, where sure. do you guys stand when it comes to bringing in new people and then, you know, having certain people exit out? Well, that, that's a great question. And it's, um, you know, and I'm going to use a phrase that all those gym owners out there that are listening to this podcast can definitely relate to. And it, it depends on the day, right? Like a lot of days, or I should say some days, I feel like I take one step forward and then two steps back when it comes to that. Um, I will say our long-term retention numbers are well above 90%. And I'm really proud of that because we have an engaging service. If people aren't using it, um, one thing that I think might be a little bit different about what we do at level six than maybe most places, we don't do long-term contracts. Um, I'm actually a firm believer in if people want to be here and they want to pay for that service and you know they want to get in, um, the, the highest term of contract we've run is three months. Um, because again, this service is, is meant to serve people. It's meant to show people, Hey, here's what we're about. And I firmly believe if they see the value in it and they see what we're doing and they see what we're trying to do in their life, at least they'll stick around. Um, so we haven't run the 12 month. We haven't run the 18 month. Um, and I'm not necessarily against those things. I just over the years have found so much, um, so many problems with like billing and enforceability. And then, um, there's a lot of mitigating factors that have come up in people's lives where over a six month, 12 month, 18 month period, it becomes harder to enforce as a gym owner because, well, Susie Q moved to Nashville six months ago and you haven't seen her, but her account kept getting billed. Like how do those things happen? So um, I've really moved to a shorter term, almost month to month model with our client base because I want people actively engaged day to day. They're using the service. They're tied into what we're doing. Um so in that respect, I've, I've really stayed away from that. And I think, honestly, the best retention tool is having a valuable service where you show people you genuinely care um, and you, you, you check in on people, right? You know, it, it's not, um, I don't have it systematized to where they're getting follow-up texts and, and they're getting, you know, you haven't checked in in three months, um, you know, where have you been automated from our system? Um, and again, could I probably do those things and have even higher retention? Possibly, but I, I firmly believe that retention starts with when people walk in the door, you show them what you're about and they genuinely want to be engaged with the service. It's not trying to keep people because they want to leave. It's showing people why they should stay. And I think that's an important differentiator for us. Um, 
that's enabled us to have, like I said, you know, probably just over 90% long-term retention. Um, but just to put it into, into terms, I'd probably have two or three, maybe, maybe on the higher months, five to seven people transition off and then we'll sign up 10 to 15 new clients at this point in the business. It's not always been that way, but I would say that's indicative of the, probably the past two months. So we have like maybe five, seven people leave and then, you know, maybe double to, you know, 150% of those people sign up. Yeah. So you, I mean, you know, five to seven, we'll just throw numbers out there, but, and then, you know, you would say probably like 10 to 10 to 14 sure. and sign up. So you're, you're, you know, growing at least, you know, on the low end five or six months. Uh, yes. people yeah yes i would say that's the fairest estimate i can give you right now is that's yeah no that's, net growth is better than no growth <laughs> yeah tell me tell me about it <laughs> especially for you know as we all know there, there's rent there's leases there's pockets that got to be paid you know things like that um, absolutely yeah man like i said absolutely love that um so kind of your sales process you know somebody comes into level six and like, oh man, I heard about you guys from John Smith, whatever, you know, what would be your first initial consult? How would that look for a new person? Like, what do you guys sit them down? Do you assess them? Love it. Ask them all these questions, you know, kind of walk me through that process. Yeah. It could look like a number of things depending on what service they want to onboard with. So for us right now, uh, I mentioned this introductory low, low barrier to entry introductory options, something free, something super low cost where they can try us for a long time and see if we're a good fit. And there's no pressure, there's no uh, obligation after. So let's say someone comes in on something like that. Like for example, our four weeks free promotion that just ended. Um, depending on their level of readiness, if they're coming from a, I will say similar program like an OTF, like possibly a burn boot camp, like um, even some CrossFit places and they have a familiarity with the group setting, um, I will, instruct them to arrive, you know, maybe 10 minutes prior to their first class. And I'll give them a private tour of the studio. Uh, I'll show them around. I'll talk with them, kind of get to know them a little bit and then let them try their first workout for there. If it's been a while and they indicate that to me through the, the prospect process and they feel more comfortable having a meeting, we'll invite them into the office. We'll do a 15 to 20, maybe sometimes 30 minute kind of private consult, get them feeling good, explain the, the principles of our program, um, what their options are. And just make sure, again, that they're feeling super comfortable because, um, and I know the gym owners out there listening can, can identify with this. It's like, we want those clients to win long-term and the version of them that showed up and, and made the inquiry at the gym beats the brakes off the version of them that wanted to sit at home, stay on their couch because they were afraid to sign up for a gym because they let themselves get out of shape and they just don't have that self-esteem or that confidence to go into a setting and start making changes that they know they need to make. So I try to make it absolutely as easy as possible for people to get started. There's no pressure. Um, we offer a ton of scaling in our workouts so they can do some very, very hard variations. Or if they're, they've taken 10 years off, and I've seen it 10 years off from working out, let's get them back in. Let's get them feeling good so that they can actually stick with the program long enough to see the benefits. So yeah, either a private meeting, private tour, or... If they're feeling comfortable, hey, show up a couple minutes before class and we'll give you a quick rundown of kind of what we do. That'd probably be something I do, but like, all right, just throw me in there. Ring of fire, let's go. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like a guy like yourself, man, you'd be 
you wouldn't even need the the private tour. You'd be like, all right, where are the weights at? <laughs> oh man, I it's funny. I was just looking at like my not <laughs> like my gym membership, and I was like, I'm not gonna say what they are because I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. But I was, we always get a little bit of a funk, right? And thankfully, yeah. like February has been a much significantly better. But we we always get in that you know where it's just like you got stuff going on, you let it overtake you, and you know sometimes you just got to dial it back in, refocus. That might be a six week challenge. That might be just, you know, getting up at 5am and just getting it done. Dude. Amen. And, and credit to the people that do that and get up at 5am. And we have clients at level six to do that five days a week during the weekdays. And they're up and they're at that 5:30 a class every single day. Credit to them. These are hard workouts. Um, but it, it, it says a lot when you're able to do that for yourself through the hard times and through the struggle that we all experience and the days where you're doubting the journey. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think we can all relate to that so well it's like man am i can i really do this and then you have some days that are like wow this is this is great being a business owner is the best thing ever and then some days that are quite the opposite and um you know it's that's what makes it a fun game it's almost like riding a roller coaster <laughs> that's true that's true as uh long as it stays on the tracks yeah, amen uh stay cool. buckled in <laughs> that's right yeah buckle it in and uh push down on that uh that roll bar or whatever it's called yeah the lap bar yeah cool yeah. well, man uh well you know a couple last questions here as we get ready to wrap things up you know it's, it's sure. been a pleasure talking to you and all the things that you're doing yeah likewise man with your with your sales process you know you said sure. you have a team yeah you know it is are you one or the only like primary seller, or do you have like a good group of dedicated like salespeople, whether you have like a studio manager or an assistant manager or a, a team lead that, that does the, the, the selling or is, is that mainly you? Uh, that's a fantastic question. So I would love to get to that point where we have a dedicated sales manager. We have a dedicated studio manager. Um, like I said, you know, we're, we're two years into two months into this thing. Um, I only have one location at this point, so I'm happy to continue to operate as the, as the, the sales manager, um, you know, in a lot of respects, but I do a lot of training with my team to the sales front. So everyone on staff is equipped to do sales. They know the sales process. Um, and they're actually quite proficient out of it, a lot of them. And we've got some newer trainers that haven't, um, you know, been able to get spun up. So haven't had the full runway to learn our entire system. Um, but everyone on our team is prepared to do sales. I do, I would say I do probably 80% of the, you know, from the prospect phase, figuring out which program, which service they belong in the most, whether it's our group fitness classes, whether it's small, small group barbell training, uh, or whether it's private one-on-one -on -one training. So I do, I would say, yeah, 80% of that right now. And then um, a couple other people on staff um, who are the heads of those different types of programs will handle uh, prospects to come in on that funnel. And, and so, um, when someone comes into our prospect funnel, they actually can pick, you know, what program they're most interested in. And then based on that, they, the person who's most directly in charge of that will handle that sales process. Um, so yes, I'm still handling the majority of it. I would love to get to a studio manager point when it's feasible from a payroll standpoint. Um, and probably when we're doing more of like an area manager type role and, and hopefully we get two or three of these things rocking and rolling. Um, but right now with our single unit, I'm happy to continue to, to be the bulk of the sales and, um, you know, getting people acclimated to what we're doing and showing what we're about. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's your ship. It's the one that, you know, you're cultivating right. it, you know, you want to make sure that you're seizing every opportunity that's possible. And when the time is right, you know, you're able to delegate or, you know, know comfortably that the ship is going to continue to sail the way that it needs to. Sure. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, two last things here. Uh, sure. First and foremost is, you know, we've had a great conversation. Um, somebody else that's looking to jumpstart their own fitness business, whether it's right. a group class, whether it's a kickboxing, what, whatever it is, what words of advice would you give somebody that's looking to start their own? Man, I, I love this question so much. Um, stick with it, I think would be the first phrase that would come out of my mouth, no matter what. I mean, there's going to be days where even when you achieve a certain level of, of small amount of success, like I'm describing myself in this scenario, um, there's going to be days where you doubt the journey, right? Did I, am I doing the right things? Are we keeping the right people? Are we doing enough from a sales front? Um, to bring new people in. Am I taking care of my team? Am I taking care of my family in doing this? And I know that all those other gym owners out there have felt the same way. Um, but I would just encourage anyone looking to start their own to stick with it. Don't get discouraged when roadblocks come up because there inevitably will be many. And it can get hard. I mean, you can doubt, you can get in your head, you can start to second guess and question decisions that you make. But don't get in the mindset that giving up or packing it in is even an option. You know, um, the real ones and the people that are in this game for a long time soldier through and they find a way to be resourceful in those moments where they feel like they don't have the options that they need. Um, so that would be step one, commit fully, dive into it, persist, never give up. And then secondly, um, and this is kind of like a bit more tactical advice, I would say control your overhead. And by that, I mean, I see these people that take on these you know, very um, sexy investors. They come in with a lot of outside money. Um, I started level six on credit cards. I didn't have a loan. I didn't have any sexy outside investors. I didn't have um, a robust savings. Like I told you before, I kind of just left a role I had been in for five and a half years. Um, so I started on a shoestring budget. I pretty much bootstrapped this thing up from zero without any uh, outside investors or outside help. But what happens is you get this big number. Let's say you get a check for 300 or 500 or, you know, you're taking out loans close to a million and you build this big, beautiful facility and all that's great. But don't forget in order to pay back all those loans and pay off all those investors and, and hopefully people that will become business partners of yours for a long time, you have to start with controlling your overhead. Uh, I've been an owner in studios before where we had $12,000 a month in base rent. And that's a, that's a high bar to meet. And you're in a ritzy, sexy location. Uh, I'll tell you guys for the purpose of this podcast, it was downtown Nashville that I'm talking about. We were right on Broadway in Nashville. Wow. It, was a, it was a sexy location, man. You think, oh, we're going to get all these people. There's 60,000 people that, are, that live within a walkable distance from here. Um, it didn't happen that way. Um, the traffic was made it so hard for people to get to the studio. They had to fight traffic for 30 minutes to get to a class. Then they had to leave and fight traffic 30 minutes to get back out so they could shower and try to go to work. It wasn't feasible for a lot of people to get in like we thought it would be. And, um, you know, you're in that scenario where you have a high bar to jump over and that's without payroll. That's without taxes. That's without all the other costs and expenses. So my advice would be find your low overhead, do some realistic budget projections on what your break even point would be with your member base and really work from there and just do what makes the most sense. Don't get stuck. I call it starry eyed, but don't get, 
glitzed and glam by, wow, I have all this outside money. we got half a million dollars. Let's pimp out our studio. Let's make it look super sexy. And then you get caught up and all of a sudden you have $15,000 a month you got to clear and you only have 80 members to start. And it will be like that for a while. It's a long grind to build your membership base up, um, even in the best of scenarios. Um, so I would say control your overhead uh, would be a huge one because I, I've seen it. I have friends, I have people that, that I call on a semi-regular basis that are gym owners in this area that have fallen victim to that. And they have these sexy, awesome gyms that if you walk by on the street, you're like, dang, that's super cool. Um, and it is, but they have the golden handcuffs of like, now I'm, now I have to really grind to pay off these investors I have to really grind to pay off all this. And so their path to real profitability and being debt-free in their business is much, much longer. So um, I know that was kind of a long answer, but dude, I, I've, I've made the mistakes personally. And I have a lot of friends that are unfortunately in a boat where they're, they're stuck. Yeah, no, those are very wise words. Uh, it makes sense, especially, you know, today's economy and um, just, you know, the increasing rent prices and things like that. You want to make sure you're just, whatever you're doing, you're being financially smart. Um, to yes. the point where it's not going to take you 10 years to return on investment, right? It's, you know, you want maybe two to five tops. Yes, that would be incredible. That's that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, cool. Appreciate that answer. And uh, obviously everybody else out there listening to us too. Last thing for you, give a shout sure. out to your facility. How can members listening right now, how can people listening right now reach your facility, whether it's a website, Facebook, Instagram? Love it, man. Well, uh, we're at level6training.com. That's www.level6, like the number, training.com. Uh, we're on Instagram at level6training. I'm personally on Instagram at train with e 6 um, so feel free to DM me guys, reach out. Always love hearing from people that are in the arena that, that I'm in and uh, look forward to connecting with, with anybody who wants to chat or hit us up. So. Awesome, man. Appreciate that. I'm i uh, I'm getting you a little uh, follow right now. Love uh, it, man. Cool. I'll tag you back on that. No problem. <laughs> uh, well, Hey everybody, that's been the show for today. Um, everybody out there listening. Emma's got a great story. Uh, very humble, very passionate about what he's doing. So if you're in the area or even if you want to check out his business online, go to the website. Um, and more importantly, if this story inspires you to want to share your perspective on what you're doing in your business, you know, maybe some successes, some opportunities, some struggles, you know, feel free to click on the link below, type in your information and we'll get you on the show. But until then, y'all, that's been another episode of the Jim Lords podcast. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders.
What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily, and joining us on the show is Marie from Ab and Flow out of two locations, Ohio and also Chicago. What's going on, Marie? How are you doing today? Hey, I am doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for asking. Now, before we dive into the nitty-gritty of what you have going on and how you run Ab and Flow, Tell us a little bit about how you describe your business to people and what made you want to start your gym in the first place. Sure. So we are a, Ab and Flow is a boutique Pilates studio. So we offer private sessions, duet sessions, and group classes, but our group classes are very small. So our Chicago location, we limit it to four people in a group class and our Ohio location is limited to five people in a class. And that sets us apart a little bit just because we want to make sure that we're able to provide a little more one-on-one attention, keep the classes more intimate for our clients, making sure they feel comfortable coming into the studio, which is really one of the reasons why I wanted to open up Ab and Flow as a Pilates studio. There is a lot of stigma around Pilates. I think now it's absolutely becoming something that's more mainstream, but back when I had first opened it and even prior to me opening it, People, if you didn't know what Pilates was, they were kind of afraid of it. You know, you look at the machines, they look scary. Uh, People think it's either for dancers or for rehabilitation purposes. And if they didn't fall into those categories, then it wasn't for them. And I don't fall into either of those categories. Personally, I found Pilates through running and was just so blown away with how much it improved my overall fitness and my running abilities that that's how I got certified and really got into it. So I wanted to be able to open up a studio and, and try to reach people from all different facets and show them regardless of what your background is or what your fitness level is, Pilates could be a great addition for you. Beautiful. That's very well said. Thank so, you. Um, let's go ahead and dive right in and talk about like the business development side of things. So what was the first location you you opened up? Was it the one in Chicago? Yes. The one in Chicago was the first one I opened. So I am originally from Chicago, born and raised, um, and just recently moved to Ohio. Okay. So let's say that I were to move to Chicago, like in a week from now, right? And I'm looking for, which I actually am looking for like a Pilates, Pilates studio um, to call home. How would I know that you guys exist and are out there? Sure. So we are on social media. We have a website. I would say most people find us um, through social media or word of mouth. I think which it's really interesting between Chicago and Ohio, our marketing plans are different. The areas are a lot different. In Chicago, you can walk three blocks and run into a Pilates studio. It's a pretty saturated market. Um, But because people walk everywhere, we positioned ourselves in a prime location. We get a ton of foot traffic. We were really lucky that way. And um, I had been in the Pilates world for a very long time, so already had a decent clientele base. So really worked on pulling from them, working from them, offering friends and families discounts when we first opened to get the word spread, to get people in the door. Um, And then we get, honestly, the most feedback from how people are finding us is usually through our Instagram. So I would say that's like our biggest 
market pull. And we, that's for both locations now. So we saw that in Chicago, that's where we're found for a lot of things. And we're starting to see that here in Ohio as well. So really trying to hone in on that social media game, which I will admit I'm not always great at, but that absolutely seems to be a huge avenue. So for Ohio, we're putting a lot of focus on our social media. We're also doing a lot more outreach within the community because we are one of the only boutique studios within the area. Um, we're, do, we're able to partner with local businesses and doing outreach that way. So just within my area, there's a Lululemon down the street from us that we've partnered with. There's a bridal shop that we've partnered with to get brides ready for their wedding. We've got, uh, there's a baby store down the street from us. So we're pre-postnatal, so things like that. And so we're really trying to channel the community around us to spread the word that we're here. Okay, okay. So let's talk a little bit more about social media. Is this all like organic content that you're posting or have you started to learn about like paid um, advertisement? So it's all organic. I have learned about paid and that I know you can boost a post on Instagram and like pay for it that way. I've done it a couple of times. We didn't see a huge um, influx of anything when we do paid versus just doing our organic. So we normally just stick with the organic posts. Um, we do, I do find that it, when we're posting videos or a reel, we get more interaction that way versus just doing a, a picture. So we're, we constantly are trying to like add to the story and let people know do, and do reels. And we do little workouts and things like that on Instagram. Okay. Is there anything in particular that you've noticed that's working well in terms of getting that engagement up on social media? Um, I think the frequency in which you post. So I will say I am guilty of when I was in between, like opening this location and moving from Chicago to Ohio, I kind of fell off of making sure we were staying up on our postings and things like that. And that does make a huge difference. So now I'm back to making sure we're getting videos up minimum one a day. We've got so much going on that really we can be posting more things and it's just a great way to reach out to the community. And then we do, I do follow up. Uh, we do newsletters for our community as well, like monthly newsletters that we try and get out. So that seems to be helpful as well. And then we always like reference our social media channels, like on those newsletters to let people know to follow us that way. Okay. So how does the engagement that you get on maybe one of your social media posts, like how do you drive that to maybe a person coming in, into your uh, studio to try the class and eventually turn that into a recurring member? So our, yes, our biggest goal is to always get them in the door. And then once we're in the door, we can sell them and things like that. Um, and a lot of it is we, I like to ask questions, like make sure that we're being as interactive as we can. So you're getting that person like, well, have you DM us, ask us a question about this. We try to put up, this is our schedule. This is how many spots we have left. And then you can literally swipe up to sign up. So we have it all linked to our schedule. So we see a lot of that interaction that happens on Instagram come over onto our website then. And then once they're there, they have to create that profile. And then we have their contact information. We could do a follow-up. Hey, I noticed you created a profile. Do you have any questions about our classes? And then that's me actually interacting directly with them once we get them on 
to our scheduling platform. Okay. So yeah, let's, let's continue to walk through that process. So like what happens after they create the profile and they're on the scheduling platform? So they have the ability to book right from there if they want to. It does come through as a lead. So for me, I get an automatic email that lets me know we have a new lead. And then I can look to see, did they do anything? Did they sign up for a class? Did they purchase an introductory session? I usually give it 24 hours before and see what they end up doing. If nothing, then I'll reach out with that welcome email, thanking them for creating a profile, asking them if they have any questions or seeing if I could help them sign up for anything. Nice, nice. Okay. So are you also doing the sales as well? Yes. Okay. So is all that done? Is that done in person? Or is that something that you also do like? Um, normally, normally, it's done in person. We offer intro rates for all of our like we have an intro rate for our group classes and intro rate for our private sessions. So once we have them come in, the sale process usually happens like after they take that first class. And then we ask them, we follow up with them. How did they feel? Things like that. And usually we try to get them to buy right then and there. Um, we'll offer like a same day, like you'll get 10% off if you sign up for a package the same day that you do your first session. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so for the packages, are they like, do they purchase a number of sessions or is this like a recurring like month to month package? Great question. We have uh, packages. So for Ohio, we offer just packages. Right now in Chicago, we offer packages as well as a monthly membership. Um, our goal is to get there for Ohio, but we just don't have enough classes on the schedule right now since I'm the only instructor for like a monthly membership to make sense. So the goal is to get Ohio on that same level where we're also offering a monthly membership. Gotcha. Okay. That, that makes sense. I was going to ask you about that, but you kind of answered the question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise people say, I would be like, so I can only do so many. I'm like, sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll get there. So being that you um, just opened the Chicago location, no Ohio location a few months yep. ago. Um, mm -hmm. What is your primary like focus as the business owner, like what are, what are some of the most important things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis to continue to grow your business? So my immediate thing is, is revenue and making sure we're bringing in revenue. Um, it actually makes it a little tricky being one of the, being the only instructor here and having to manage the business side of it. But more importantly, there's the teaching side that is what literally brings our revenue in. So unfortunately, like I try to do the business stuff in between the clients right now, because that's, what's going to give us that immediate revenue. Um, and it's also just immersing myself within the, the community, like trying to find out what times people want to see group classes. And so we're really having those conversations with clients or with people that come by the studio so that I have a better idea of how to build out a schedule that works for this community because it's different than our Chicago community. Um, so right now, that's my biggest thing is really trying to figure out, all right, how, how do we bring in our revenue? What are we bringing in on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, and that we're growing from there? And then finding out how scheduling works for people in this area. What times do people want to see? Um, and honestly, the clients have been really great about letting us know, like, oh, we would love to see a class at this time. And so 
that's been really, really wonderful. Um, and then we've made some great connections. We've had, um, we were featured for a news segment here in Ohio, which was huge for us. That was a big driver for us. Um, so we've made some great connections that way. And it was the same. They found us on Instagram and they do a new to town segment. So they wanted to feature us as, you know, new to the area. So that has been another really great thing to do. So really trying to reach out to those outlets. That is, that is really awesome to hear. Yeah. What systems and processes do you have in place to help you stay organized with everything? So I pretty much live, we use our mind body, which is our scheduling software. We take all of our payments through that. I live out of that scheduling system. So I'll block, if I don't have a client, then this is my block for doing payroll. Then this is my, so I literally just live out of that one. So I did, um, when we first opened up Ohio, I was going to try a different scheduling system, but then it was like, I had Chicago on my body. I had a different scheduling system for Ohio. And then I was trying to put all of my personal, whether it was phone calls or marketing meetings or things like that on like a Google calendar. And I was all over the place. So I ended up going back to just doing my body because I have the ability, then I can just block off times and put what we're doing. Like today I have like my interview um, and it all sits right inside there. And then I can sync that into my um, Google calendar, which is wonderful. So then it just all syncs up. Okay. Very, very nice. Very nice. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the goals that you have for both of your locations. Um, I want to start with the, the one that you opened up first. Um, sure. What are the goals there? Are you guys still in a phase where you are growing your membership or you are at a place where you're kind of good where you're at now? Um, So Chicago, we are growing or we're trying to. Um, We're currently looking for a larger space that has absolutely been one of our biggest requests is as much as our clients love that the group class is small there, um, they are frustrated because everything is waitlisted. And it's not a matter of we need more classes on the schedule. It's more of a matter of you know, everyone wants to work out at the same time. And like I said, in Chicago, we only have the four reformers. So we're currently looking for a space where we can offer five reformer and just have a little more room to make the class just a little bit bigger for people. Um, So I'm really excited about that. And then we also in Chicago last year had launched a teacher training program that allows me the ability to certify Pilates instructors. So we now offer that course there as well. And it's twofold. It's really a great way for us to, again, like let people know how great Pilates is, let them turn that passion into being a teacher themselves. Um, And then it also is a way for us to gain instructors for our studio. Um, Because that's always one of the tougher things too, is to find the instructors and, and find ones that, you know, teach the way your clients are used to. So we, I developed that program. We rolled it out last fall. We're starting our spring session March, like this weekend. So I'll go back to Chicago and it starts. Um, so we have that going on in Chicago as well. So we're definitely growing there. And we've already gotten, we've got two graduates from our fall program who are starting as ab and flow instructors this month. So it's really exciting. It's exciting to see how that 
has helped us and is allowing us to grow that much more. Yeah. And then what about for your location that just opened up a few months ago? So we are absolutely in a growth phase here. <laughs> um, and so the goal here is I hope to uh, bring on some more instructors here and then fill out the group class schedule and just the schedule in general. Again, we don't have a ton of group classes on the schedule. We absolutely offer them. We have morning, afternoon, and evening, but I would like to make that schedule a little more robust for our clients um, to make sure that people are finding times that work for them and work within their schedule. And it's a little trickier because I balance the group classes between the private sessions I do. And a lot of times it's at the same time, right? So mm -hmm. um, once I get another instructor in here, we can have some of those things going on at the same time, where if I have a private, we can still have a group class. Um, so right now it's just figuring that out and working that out for Ohio to make sure we are being profitable. Yeah. Yeah. Profitable. That's important. So, yeah. <laughs> um, what, and so outside of the gym, like <clears throat> when you started your, your gym, were you looking for like the lifestyle that owning a business would provide? Um, I don't know if you're ever fully prepared for what that lifestyle looks like. I think um, for me, I, it's funny, I actually started, I was an instructor. Um, and prior to being an instructor, I had been in leasing, I was a leasing agent, I worked for a company, I worked for, for a business. So I was in corporate. Uh, and I hated it. I couldn't stand it. I would get panic attacks I just like couldn't figure it out and then in the meantime I was teaching um like before or after my full-time job and I finally decided to make the leap and teach full-time and really at the time it was just a matter of I knew the corporate life wasn't for me I didn't like sitting in an office I didn't like feeling confined or stuck and I really enjoyed the instructor life to a degree except that came with a lot of stress around finances and things like that, especially when you're first starting. And I was like bopping around different studios and couldn't get like a full-time schedule really anywhere. Um, and ultimately went back to a sales job just to have a better um, structure, like when it came to just to financial stability. So I did go back into sales to try and find that again. And it was... I then at that point, the idea was, okay, I'm going to go back into sales. I'm going to do this for X amount of time until I make enough money to open up a studio and do my own thing. Um, and so it kind of worked out like that. I can't say I necessarily expected to open the studio. Honestly, at the, at the time in my life, I was looking for another sales job. I, I still wasn't loving it. I wasn't happy. I tended to bounce out of the sales like into different companies every year and a half to two years looking for something like I knew it just wasn't it and so I was in the process of interviewing for another sales job and I just happened to see a space available on like a main street that I used to ride my bike up and down every day and I was like that just looks like a plotty studio like it just needs to be one. I know I'm not happy. I know making this next career move, like I wasn't going to find what I was looking for. So 
I just kind of was like, all right, I'm just going to like go through the motion until someone tells me like, you're absolutely ridiculous. This isn't going to work. And everything just kept working. And I was like, the next thing I knew, I was signed a lease like two weeks after seeing the space. And I was like, I guess we're doing this. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I think it was, for me, it was definitely, uh, I knew it was my passion. I knew fitness was my passion. I love working with people in that capacity. I like to help them. I tried it in a corporate setting. I couldn't find what I was looking for that way. So it did become something where it was like, is it, is it money or is it your happiness? And it really was, I just needed to do something that made me happy. And I'm so grateful that it's translated into what it has and become what it has. But I think it has a a lot to do with just the passion behind um, what you're doing when you just love it that much. It's kind of like, you just can't let it fail, you know? Yeah. That's a really cool story. Really cool story. Thanks. (laughs) Well, Marie, this is a really good place for us to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. Yes. So you can find us on Instagram at abandflow.com. Um, you can also, or no, you can find us, our website is www.abandflow.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at abandflow. So the word and is spelled out, A-N-D, in both of those. Um, so yeah, follow us, check out our website, reach out with any questions you have. We'd love to hear from you. All righty. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and contribution to the show and also looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to continue to accomplish down the road. So to everybody who did today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.